Welcome to the Dr. Wayne Dyer Radio Podcast. Discover the wisdom and remarkable insights of Dr. Dyer, world-renowned spiritual teacher and foremost authority on how the power of your mind creates your world. I discovered a, a, a new book. Uh, this is uh, it's, it's one of the so strange books. Some, there's 64, uh, 66 reviews of it on, on Amazon. 64 of them are all five-star. Some call it the... the you know, the, the best book that's ever been written ever. It's, it's the, the third longest book ever written, they say. And it's uh, and it's really a, it's called Vasistha's uh, Yoga. I know you don't know that one. Vasistha, it's a hard word to even say. And he was a saint in India, and he's talking to Rama, and it's like he's giving him, it's, it's in, similar to the Bhagavad Gita, <clears throat> but it's... Um, it's very, very, very much in depth, and it's an incredible translation. And some of the reviewers, are, who are great scholars from all over the world, uh, consider it. They said, if all the books in the world were destroyed and this one were saved, it would be enough to to keep humanity going and and, uh, and and to give us the ultimate secrets. And the challenge of it was that if you finish the whole book, uh, it'll give you spiritual liberation. So the and the interesting thing way about that it came to me and it's always fascinating about this, this is what I wanted to talk a little bit about before we take calls this morning is that um, it was about three weeks ago uh, it was a, a sat, it was an afternoon about one o'clock and I had done a meditation and I have made a commitment to not go out in the sun uh, here on, on when I'm on Maui uh, or when I'm back in my home in Florida uh, between 10 o'clock in the morning and four o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, because I'm fair and I've had a couple of little skin cancer deals, you know, that haven't been real serious, but they're still, they're still skin cancers and they have to be dealt with. And, um, and I've spent a lot of time in my life in the sun. So I've just kind of, that's just been my, my rule for the last couple of years to stay out of the sun during the day. If you're going to go in the sun, go out in the morning. So when I run, I run early in the morning. And when I swim, um, in the ocean, I go after four o'clock. Usually I swim around sunset. So that's sort of my commitment, but I was meditating, it was around one o'clock, and something just said, uh, go for a walk and go now. And um, and I just sort of ignored that. I said, well, it's one o'clock, I'll wait till four, and then I'll go. And then it was just like, it was just an urge, and all of a sudden I find myself um, uh, putting on my shoes and uh, lacing up my shoes. <laughs> and, uh, and it's like this, when, when these kinds of things happen, this is something I really wanted to write about and, and thinking about is like, it's something like it's, it's, it's like, an, a, like a burning desire inside of you. It's not just a desire to go out and do something, but it's like a burning desire. There's something going on inside. And you realize that this is being placed there by something other than just your own personality, your own, your own brain, because we don't even know what a, what a desire is or what a thought is and how to get a hold of one and where they come from and all of this. It's just, it's just all the great mystery. It's what this Vasistha's Yoga is really all about, um, is this great mystery of, uh, <clears throat> of, of realizing that <clears throat> this whole life is like a dream. It's like in the dream state that we're in, we can create an entire city. And the city is very real while we're in a dream state. And then uh, we awaken and realize that it's just all an illusion. It just was all just part of our consciousness. And what they say in, in this yoga is that uh, this this reality that we're in now is exactly like that. We're just so absolutely convinced that everything that we see that is solid is absolutely real. But from a higher perspective, uh, a place of pure consciousness, um, it doesn't exist either. Anyway, that's that's not really what I want to share with everyone. Um, <clears throat> it's that 
So I went for the walk. I just uh, I just got pushed to do it, and uh, it was unusual. And there I am out walking, and I was enjoying it, and it felt kind of good to have the sun on my body uh, again in, in the uh, in the daytime. It's been a long time. I lathered myself up with sunscreen, and I was out walking, and I went. And then I'll and about five minutes before I get back uh, to where <coughs> where I'm writing and all of that, uh, I'm stopped by a couple, uh, two couples. And one of the couple's uh, husband says, oh, I have the same kind of leukemia that you were diagnosed with. And it turns out that he didn't. His was a much more serious kind. And he said that he was told um, that he uh, that this leukemia that he has, uh, that he could actually have a healing from this if he could uh, comprehend the Vasista Yoga and, and go through it. And he's got this great big, thick 750-page uh, translation of this, uh, of this ancient, the thing that goes back to like the sixth, fifth and sixth centuries. Uh, is when it was written, and uh, <clears throat> he shows it to me. And I've never heard of it, and I'm surprised because I've studied a lot of the uh, Indian, you know, and I've, I've read the Bhagavad Gita at least a dozen times in my lifetime, and um, you know, been thinking about writing about it and so on. And um, so I just kind of jotted down the name because it's hard to say. And uh, I called uh, Dee, who works for me, my assistant here, and she uh, ordered a copy uh, on Amazon. It was like. I don't know. Um, hardcover new was about eighty-five dollars, and I got a paperback it was around thirty dollars or so. And um, and so while I was on my last trip, when I was in New York and I was in Atlanta and and in uh, in Clear Lake, California, um, I got back and it was there. And I looked at it and I started look, and I'd look through, uh, open this book up. This is like a huge, huge book with real small print on very big pages and so on. It's a commitment. Uh, it's yeah, it really is to, to read it. So I would open it and I would read maybe, you know, page two hundred and seventy-eight. I would read something. So oh, that's kind of interesting, but it's heavy. This is just heavy. I don't know if I really want to do that. And I had also ordered Aldous Huxley's *The Perennial Philosophy*, and I was reading that. But as all all the time that I was reading that book, there was something uh, I kept saying: "This is just I'm reviewing stuff over and over again that I've read before, and it's really not sticking." And and I just kept drawing back to this Vasista Yoga that I had this burning desire to go for that walk that day, and that's where I discovered it, and there, and, and, and I ordered it, and now it's sitting here, and I look, it's sitting right next to me, and every day I kind of look at this thing and think, oh, I don't know if I want to take that on. And then one morning about, oh, it was last week, I just decided, you know what, Wayne, you're going back to school. Um, the reviews on this book all said that, um, you know, this will give you and provide you with this great spiritual liberation. And um, and the reviewers also said that it's like one one reviewer said uh, of a great scholar in India said that uh, you know of all the books that have ever been written in the history of humanity this is uh, by far the most important one it's the one that would have to uh, keep humanity going and so on so on. I thought all right it sounds difficult and all but I'm going back to school and get another PhD <laughs> so it's because uh, uh, finishing this book and understanding it would be like getting a PhD. So I'm up to about page 80 or 83 of it. And then uh, last week I had another one of those uh, burning desire kinds of things placed in me um, at a uh, at a ceremony that I did out in Hana. And um, I got up, it was in the middle of the night, and uh, it was around 4 o'clock in the morning, and I was just in a very, very peaceful and beautiful place. And I went over to this table, and there was a group of cards about Rumi uh, in it as well. And it was just another... And, and things that I had never read, because Rumi has I've written, a, I've read a lot of Rumi's poetry, 
But I've never uh, really read the Masnavi, which is something like 600,000 words, another huge undertaking. Um, but this was a collection of cards, uh, <coughs> gift cards, and I opened them up and they had uh, a couple of things in them. And I just thought to myself, I'm going to order those. I think I'm going to write about that. I've, I wrote a book years ago called The Wisdom of the Ages, where I took uh, 60 of the greatest sort of teachings of different people and wrote essays about them. And, and then I took the, enti I took the entire... Uh, Tao um, Te uh, Ching uh, with a book called Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life and, and took each of the 81 verses and wrote an essay about how to apply that ancient teaching and I thought, you know, it, it would be a great thing to do that with this uh, with, with, with this uh, Rumi book uh, and also with uh, and applying what I'm learning in this uh, Vasista Yoga this is like all of this stuff is within the last week, Diane, since I talked to you last Monday on the radio. Um, these, these, these like burning desires just come in there. So here are, here's one of, the, one of the poems that I had never heard before by Rumi that I thought I would really like to write. And there's, I think, 60 of them. And I think I might just take 60 of these uh, great observations of one of the, the most divine spiritual masters who ever walked on this earth back in the 13th century. Um, I'm going to his burial place in Konya next October when we do the cruise uh, to the Holy Land and so on. I'm going to do a special flight over there to be where he and Shams were, are buried uh, in Konya in Turkey. And, um, and take these 60 uh, uh, poetic offerings and, uh, and write about how what that, you know, so many people read Rumi uh, or read this kind of literature that I'm speaking about because it's... Uh, it's sort of philosophical and it's sort of poetic and it's sort of romantic and it's a poems of love and so on. But there's so much more in the, the way that these things are expressed that, uh, that can give us you know, some, some great enlightening awareness. And, and I just know when a burning, I've been saying this for the last few months here on the radio show, when a desire is placed into your head, it is not placed wherever it's placed into your consciousness. It is not placed there by your personality. It is not you, the, the Wayne Dyer, the, the, the 74-year-old man who, uh, <clears throat> who looks a certain way and so on, who's doing that. That these, these thoughts, these energies, this uh, is placed there by this impersonal self that is in everything and it's also in you as well. And we have to listen to that more, this I am presence that's in each and every one of us. So here's a short one, uh, Diane, and I'll just share it and, and uh, maybe get your reaction to it. So... Um, water says to the dirty, come here. The dirty one says, I'm so ashamed. Water says, how will your shame be washed away without me? And just that simple little observation, and I think um, there's so much there that I could write about it and how that applies, you know, that when we live with shame and that water isn't really water, water is just a... And water is uh, not judging. Yeah, and water is a, is a metaphor for God. In other words, if you just took the word water out and just put God in there and says, God says to the dirty, come here, come here. And the dirty one says, the one who's just sinned, one who's just made a mistake, whatever it may be, oh, I'm so ashamed, you know, I can't go to you, God. And, and God says, how will your shame be washed away without me? In other words, the only way that you can get rid of the stuff that's, that's not working for you that's the pain that you have the struggle that you have is when you come when you go to your source 
And it's such a simple and beautiful way to uh, to express it. Such a beautiful message. I, I hope you do that. Oh, uh, yeah. Because we need people a... like you to explain this, these texts yeah, and a... things, <laughs> make it accessible. Right. And, to, and to also be able to say, oh, so that's what Rumi meant. You know, he just expresses it in, in poetically. And that came to me in the middle of the night at 4 o'clock in the morning when I was just meditating. I was in a very peaceful, beautiful place out in Hana. Hana is just a, a Hawaiian word for heaven on the other side. I mean, it was like... Uh, it's I was there. with a group of people. It was just such a beautiful moment. And, and what directed me to get up and to walk over to this table to pick up these cards that were that were produced, you know, like 30 years ago uh, and were written, you know, 800 years ago or more. <clears throat> so there's one other I'll share with you, and then we'll open up the phone. Listen to this one, Diane. This is, uh, says, listen, O drop. Give yourself up without regret. And in exchange, gain the ocean. Listen, O drop, bestow upon yourself this honor, and in the arms of the sea be secure. Who indeed would be so fortunate, an ocean wooing a drop? I just, that I don't know, that just, touch, that just touches me so beautifully. Don't again, play the ocean, small, right? Right, and the ocean again is, is, the, is the source, and it is, you know, it's like when, when you feel separate from it, when you're away from it, uh, you, you always feel lost and so on. And then the, the, how secure you feel when you're in the arms of, you know, of love, of divine love or whatever. And imagine how it must feel to have this ocean. In other words, to have God, to have your source wooing you and, uh, and wanting you to come to it instead of always hanging on to your separateness and your belief that you're the, you know, you can do everything yourself. And it's that whole surrendering process. I don't know. That's what poetry does for me, and that's what's been happening to me the last week. It's been—I've uh, been reading this Vasistha's Yoga, uh, twenty pages or so a day, um, and contemplating it. I'll read like four lines and just put it down, and that's what the reviewers say about it. And I had this wonderful experience with Rumi and thinking, and I called Reed and I said, "You know, I want to get all of these cards, and I'm seriously thinking about writing—you know—a book of, of of essays on." how to apply the great teachings of one of the greatest poets who ever walked among us. That sounds beautiful. And you know yeah. what's so great, too, about what you're you're talking about? So many people call into Hay House Radio and they ask you and a lot of our other hosts and authors, how can I trust that voice? We mm. Is it our egos or what are, what are we mm. doing that we're questioning when we get those messages from source like you just received over the weekend when we get those burning desires, mm. you know, and, but we question it. We, we think it's something that we yeah, made we up. Yeah, we think, is it ego, is it spirit? And there's no division there. <clears throat> you, the thing of it is, so I've, I've, you've heard me use this metaphor a thousand times. You can, you can find the command center inside of your brain which says, um, I think I'm going to wiggle my finger. And then you have that thought, I'm going to wiggle my finger. And you can go in and you can actually locate the exact spot in the brain. Scientists can do that. But no one can ever find the commander in the command center that says, I think I'm going to wiggle my finger, that has that thought, that that's something that's impersonal. You know, So every single thought that you have is not something that you, with your person, your personality, is even capable of creating. Like in the Tao Te Ching, it says you're doing nothing, you're just being done. It also says you're, you're not thinking anything, you're being thought. You know, so that thought is really, it's like the analogy I use, is like this huge conveyor belt with trillions and trillions of things on it. And thoughts go by all the time. 
and and an event comes along like uh, like a, you know a, any kind of an event that just shows up a rainstorm a, 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 a an accident whatever it is and here go uh, here go a million thoughts right by you um, I can let this worry me I can get myself all worked up about it that this is angry why is this happening to me this isn't fair you know and and you can you can pick that thought or you can pick another one that says what do I have to learn from this and isn't this great and and I'll just become the observer to it, or you can put it, put those back, and you can put another one and say, I'm just going to be in a state of love. And, you know, it's like you have all these choices. You don't get to create the thoughts. You just get to pick which one of the endless numbers of ones that are going by you all the time on this endless conveyor belt. And it's really learning how to, how to pick the thoughts and not to take credit for them and think it's my ego or not. And when you have a thought inside of you that you carry around with you for a lifetime, and that thought is something that you just can't erase. You can't get it out. Or somebody that you're so attracted to, that you're so uh, that you have so much love for, but and you just can't seem to get it get out of it. You have to just step back and and become the observer and say that's placed there by my impersonal self, and it's there for a reason. And I'm going to just sort of let I'm going to become the observer to it and watch it and enjoy it, rather than getting myself all worked up and picking thoughts that are just going to make me less and less content and happy. And one of the things in this Vasistha's yoga says that contentment is the gateway to liberation, that the human being who can experience content, you know, uh, there's a line in Shakespeare, see if I remember it, uh, our, uh, well, I don't have it. Is it right the crown of contentment? It, yeah, it's the crown of contentment. <laughs> my, my, oh, there it is. But my crown is, my crown is in my heart, not on my head, not decked with diamonds, nor Indian stones, nor to be seen. My crown is called content. A crown it is that seldom kings enjoy. I like that I one. That, I, I pulled that out <laughs> you of somewhere. You did. You did. <laughs> I knew you'd remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's there. Anyway, that's what's been going on with me. Like two very powerful things in the last week um, that uh, have really sent me into a whole other place. And now I find myself spending two or three hours a day immersed in this gigantic undertaking of a, of a text that some call the greatest spiritual text that ever has been provided and the greatest translation of it. And um, I'm reading it uh, and just having a marvelous time. I can hardly wait to get back to it. Uh, when I, and when I find it's, it gets annoying, you know, and it's like too difficult or it feels a bit repetitive, I know that's the moment to stop at that moment. And then the next day when I go back to it, it makes so much sense again. I just know I'm being directed to this and I'm I'm at the age of 74 going back to school. Um, it's exciting. Taking, it's, it's, like taking on a, it's like taking on a new degree, really, in, uh, in spiritual liberation. See, I'm going to try that again when I attempt to read The Course in Miracles because <laughs> mm. that, that's quite the, the tome. And I've, I've tried really to, to do that. Mm. But I think your uh, process is a good idea, you know, just kind of read it in little digestible yeah, pieces, you know. Yeah, and just stop when, it, when, it, when you feel like, even when you feel like it's not getting there, like in other words, when your thoughts are just wandering around too much, um, you know, you're reading it and all of a sudden you're wondering about your laundry list and I've got to go do this and I've, oh, I've got to get the mm -hmm. car fixed and oh yes, I've got, oh my God, I got that appointment and, uh, you know, and in your meantime you're reading. That's when you find yourself doing that and you're not there, you're not fully present, just let it go. Say, okay, I'll just stop with that, you know, and, and, uh, and then pick it up at another time when it calls to you because it has an energy and it, it calls to you. And something called me to go out for a walk at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, which I haven't done in two years because of the sun. And 
and that was the only day that I did it, and that was the day that it came to me and why I have it. Had I not been instructed to go for that walk that that afternoon, I wouldn't be talking about this right now. I'd be doing something different. So. That's so interesting. But, I always like to hear mm. stories like that where you take choice A or choice B, you know, what, mm, what could happen, right. the, those decisions, mm. those little, even a little decision just to take a walk. Yeah. They did a movie like that. It was called Sideways. Did you ever see that? Uh, where they had, I think uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was in it and it was... Uh, oh, Sliding like, Doors. Sliding Doors. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's fascinating. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Now we'll have to yeah. wait and see what, what you come up with deciphering the Vasi Stast. Is it Vasistasa? <laughs> you got, here you go. I want Vasistas. you to learn how to say it. Va, mm -hmm. B-A, Va. Vasistha. Vasistha. Uh, Vasistha's, and then apostrophe S. So it's Vasistha's yoga. Okay, I'm going to look that up. Yeah, you'll be, and read the reviews. Just read the 64 reviews. You can read them all in like 20 minutes. Interesting stuff. It'll make you, yeah, it's fascinating. Well, all we've right. got a board let's, full of calls. Board, yeah, let's see who's there this morning. Okay, let's start in Laguna Beach. Sounds like a fun place to start, right up the street here, with Brad. He's on line six in Laguna Beach, California. Hi, Brad. Welcome to the show today. Hi, thank you. Hey, Brad. How are you? Hey, Dr. D. I'm so thrilled to be talking with you. Likewise. I've, I've read and uh, listened to so many of your works, and you've just helped so many people, including me. Uh, oh, thank, thank you. you. Um. Yeah, I was calling today because I, it's funny. I feel like I've just kind of climbed a mountain. I had, like, years of near-crippling back pain on and off, and I tried everything. And then in the last four months, I really have kind of found the way, the keys to living pain-free. Uh, oh, great. Share yeah. it with us. Yeah, and part of it was Egoscue and, and other mm -hmm. things, too, that I could even recommend to you. But... My question is, now I feel kind of like, <laughs> you know, I sort of have climbed this mountain. I, I'm not sure what to do next. It's almost like, it feels sort of like when the Berlin Wall came down. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and I certainly found some of the gifts of chronic pain. And, you know, but I'm, I mean, pain can be a great feature. I just wish it didn't hurt so much. Yeah, but, you know, the, the, the hurting part is really the important part. You know, it's like, because uh, if it didn't hurt so much, you wouldn't be, you, you wouldn't be prompted to, uh, to uh, take action to do something about it. You'd just say, okay, I'll just live with that, and, and then it would become worse and worse. And, and I think a lot of people do that. Um, you know, that, that, you know the, the metaphor here, the, the analogy that I would use is that uh, this whole idea that every spiritual advance that we make in our lives, every spiritual advance that we make, almost always is preceded, I think maybe always, is preceded by some kind of a fall so that it's in the process of the fall. Now, in, in the metaphor that I'm using there, the fall is the pain, you know, yeah. that, um, that, that, that we, that's where we generate the energy to propel ourselves to, uh, to a, a higher place, uh, you know, to, to overcome whatever it is that we're uh, struggling with. I mean, you know, every, every drug, every former drug addict or alcoholic um, will tell you that it was that low point in their life, you know, when they just uh, realized that this thing, you know, was taking me down a very, very bad path. And it, and and so that's the time maybe when you get arrested or, you know, and get a DUI or, or you, 
you hurt somebody or, you know, who knows, you know, you, you, you do something really stupid, you throw up all over yourself, uh, you know, in, in front of, uh, in, in front of the person you're trying to impress or something, you know, and you just hit, you just hit this rock bottom. And that rock bottom part is where you, when you're there, you just like, cause, because when you're at the very bottom, the only thing that you can do if you're going to get out of the bottom, if you're going to keep moving is you, you're going to start climbing. You, you finally hit the bottom you, and you're going to keep moving. You got to come out of it, you know? Right. Um, and, and they say that about, by the way, Brad, they say that about being at the top of the mountain, too, that when you're at the very top, you know, that if you're going to keep moving, then you're, it's like that's why you know, life is hills and valleys. You know, it's, it's everything isn't just straight. Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, no. But I mean, it's kind of like having, you know, defeated this problem, which was a major problem. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, you know. Now I've climbed the mountain. What do I? Where do I go next? I've looked for that burning passion. I haven't quite found it. Um, you know. Oh, the, the, there's no question about what to do next. I'm, and I know. I mean, because that's why I have this radio show, and it's, uh, you know, it's, and I can just give the exact thing for that has happened for me. I guess uh, I lived with chronic back pain for a very long time and neck pain that that put you know that threw me down on the ground in the middle of a speech in, in Melbourne, Australia, in front of three thousand people. I was on the ground on on the stage, uh, and uh, and it's like um, so. I so what happened in those low moments is like you know one of the things is Peter Goscue came into my life, John of God came into so many of these other things, and then I discovered something called a, a function run. I don't know if you know about function runs, but uh, uh, but you can just Google it. You know, just the word function run, and it shows you because I do that now every single day. But now what I want to do, because I don't have that back pain and the neck pain is just about all gone, um, the burning passion is to is to share it with other people, is to is to really you know let people know, you know here's something that you can do. You're out there, whoever you are, you're li- you're living with this back pain. Go out and try a function run and try doing it every day for thirty days, and then and tell other people about it and watch it. And it's, it's like. Uh, I now am running every single day when I couldn't even walk uh, two blocks without just having to stop and stretch and just be in all of this pain. And now it's like I'm living pain-free. But I want to – my excitement isn't being able to share that with other people. And I, I always feel that I, I got that pain because it's my obligation now to take that and to serve because, you know, that's the only thing you can do with your life. You know, you, you don't get to hang on to your life. You, the only thing you can do with it is give it away. And everything that you learn, if, if you're in a, pr- a place of serving, so I, I would take that information that you have learned or, or whatever and, and just extend it, um, you know, and become a, you know, a person who, who offers, you know, something grand to other people. Fantastic. I shall, I shall definitely try and I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, and, and if you read the Tao Te Ching, the Lao Tzu says, you know, our original nature, you know, one of the things, he has these four things that are, are but one of them is, is, is serving, that our original nature is like it's like our whole goal is to be like God, okay? To think like God thinks, whatever God means to you. When I talk about God, I'm not talking about a person. I'm talking about the energy that is the creative source of everything that exists on the physical plane, uh, and we want to be like that. And what is that like? You know, what what is what is God like? And what God looks like is uh, it's always serving and asking nothing in return. You know, always serving. You know, here's some water for you, all the water that you need. Here's air for you to breathe. You can have all that you want. You don't owe me any back. Here's this huge ocean. You can take as much of it as you want to. It'll never, ever run out. It'll always constantly replenish. 
You know, here's everything that you could ever want or need. It's always there. Here's the abundance of food. Here's prosperity. It's all there. It's like that great line you've heard me say from uh, from Hafiz, you know, the great uh, poet from the Middle East. Even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Just think what a love like that can do. It lights up the whole world, you know. It's like, it's just, it's, it's, uh, there was a movie many years ago, written back in the 1950s with um, Rock Hudson. I can't remember who else it was. Uh, it was called The Magnificent Obsession. I don't know if you remember that movie. You remember that, Diane? No, I don't remember that Rock Hudson Magnificent, one. Mag- that I think he was in it, Magnificent Obsession. But The Magnificent Obsession was the, the, <clears throat> the desire to give something away without getting any recognition. That was The Magnificent Obsession. In other words, to be a- asking for nothing in return. You know, you don't have to say thank you. You don't have to write me. You don't have to write me notes. You don't have to pay me back. Whatever it might be, it's just like, how can I give and let let nobody else even know about it? That's the highest uh, magnificent obsession. That you have. To find out more about Dr. Wayne Dyer or any other Hay House author, please visit hayhouse.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>